You know, the, the, uh, the story of, of Easter is, is amazing. Um, the, uh, the followers of Jesus walking with him for three years, and there's this, this teacher that's doing things that nobody else is doing. They're walking with him, and he's all of a sudden, a blind man comes up and is, and is calling out for help, and he's making mud with his spit and putting it on his eyes, and, and the guy's eyes are opening. And, and the woman crawling through the crowd and reaching out and touching just the very edge of his robe. And, and he says, whoa, power just went out from me. Who touched me? Everyone's trying to touch him, but someone touched him with faith. And, and it wasn't just the healings. It was the fact that Jesus had authority. And, and, and when he said, your sins are forgiven, people freaked out, saying, he can't say that. He didn't, he's just a man. How can he say his sins are forgiven? And he says, well, okay, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He says to the layman, stand up and walk. And his bones and his tendons and his muscles all of a sudden miraculously come together. Gary, we know how big of a thing that is, Right? I was telling Gary, I spent almost a year on crutches in Costa Rica one year. I broke my foot three different times, and it wasn't healing. Finally, I had to come back for surgery. I mean, these crutch things are, this is a long process. This is painful. And when all of a sudden Jesus reaches out a hand, and, and someone that for years has not been able to, to make their bodies function. Your brain is all there, right? And you know what you want your, your leg to do, but it just can't do it. And all of a sudden, it's whole again. And they're like, who has the power to mend tissue? Who has the power to calm the storm? Who has the power to turn water into wine? Who, who can do these things? And, and over these three years that his disciples are walking with him, it becomes clearer and clearer. This is not just some guy that's a spiritual leader. This, this is the Son of God. And he's claiming to be that. And then he says, and by the way, so that you know who I am, I'm going to tear down this temple and three days later rebuild it. And, and the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem to be killed. And they're like, just a minute. This was not part of the bargain because if he's killed, that means they think he's a criminal and we're his followers. Does that make us the assistant criminals? Does that make us the criminals apprentices? And Friday of the week we celebrate is Holy Week or Easter week, and in all of the Latin American world where we are, it's called Holy Week. Friday's got to be the darkest day ever. It's the day that the person that you had pinned all of your hopes on, uh, you were the follower, you were the assistant. Guys were, were arguing over who was going to be the first and second vice presidents in his kingdom. I mean, this is, they, they, were, they were fully connected to his rising star. And all of a sudden, he's arrested, brutally beaten, unfairly tried, mocked. I mean, the guy that you were, you were his assistant, you were his follower for three years, being mocked by the crowds and, and, and pushed through a kangaroo court and crucified like a criminal. And you're like, we are in big trouble. We're in really, really big trouble. Not only are our hopes dashed, but we could be busted for this, and we could be next. Um, what's been your darkest day? Have you had one this last year? Have you had a dark day this last year? Um, dark days come. And when your phone dings in your pocket, that's not a good thing. Uh, dark, dark days come. When all of a sudden what you thought was going to happen, it's not going to happen now. Um, and, and all of a sudden there's a change of plans and there's a plot twist, right? And, and you say, okay, um, this really hurts. And you go through times of grieving, don't you? Grieving for the lost dreams and the things that aren't going to happen and, and that sickness that all of a sudden changes the story. Or, or the loved one that all of a sudden is not going to be there, that you thought was going to be there. And it hurts, and it's confusing, and it's frustrating. And, and you're like, why? I don't get it. The darkness of Friday is followed by the silence of Saturday. Saturday, there is no answer. It's done. It's over. Uh, hope is gone. 
the darkness pushes its way in. And I, I can't imagine. Friday night, they're still going on adrenaline, right? And they're, like, they're still reeling from what happened. Saturday, it's depression. And, and you just don't know what you're going to do. And, and Sunday morning, they're like, well, we might as well get together for breakfast or something. And the, the followers of Jesus are, are sitting in a room together, hanging their heads, saying, we have absolutely no idea what's next. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. And it's ladies. It's the women. The women that had gotten up early saying, we've got to do something. And so they went down to the tomb to see if they could lay some flowers out there or something, you know, anything. And the stone's been rolled away. And they go inside, and the body's not there. And they're about ready to come out, and the angels appear to them and say, who are you looking for? He's risen. And Jesus himself says, Mary. And, and all of a sudden, the ray of hope that was impossible comes shining through. And they run back, and they, and, they, and they find the disciples, and the disciples are like, yeah, really, sure. Women, all those women are the same, right? A woman's testimony was not valid. They, they couldn't testify in court. Um, who was going to believe a woman anyway in that society, right? It, they, they had such a low view. Well, they're probably just disturbed this morning. You know, they're probably just overcome with their grief. Uh, but, but a couple of the guys say, this is worth checking out. Let's go. Peter and John run down to the tomb. And he's not there. And the angels say, he's risen. Later on, Jesus appears to them, walks right through the, right through the wall of the room where they're at. And, 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 and over and over again, during several days, he's appearing to them and he's walking to them and, 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 and speaking to them and then saying, guess what, folks? It's time for me to go. They're like, wait, 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 wait. You said that the kingdom of God was coming and you died and you rose from the dead and, and, and isn't this kingdom time? And like, isn't this time to find a big white stallion with a double-edged sword? Isn't it time to ride into Jerusalem and kick out the Romans and reestablish the kingdom of Israel and, and, and Solomon's glory and all that? He says, oh, you guys, you're thinking about power, aren't you? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But it's not the kind of power that takes control of City Hall. It's not the kind of power that puts us in control over other people. It's the kind of power that's the Spirit of God living in you. I want to I wanna read a passage uh, out of Romans chapter 8. Very briefly, then we'll, we're going to do the missionary part too. But I, I want to talk about the Easter part first, right? The, the, because this is where we're at. And then, then uh, our missionary stuff will be, will, be, uh, will be illustration to the truth of God's Spirit living in us. Got to be careful not to read it from the Spanish column in my Bible here. So, Romans 8, I'm going to read the first two verses of Romans 8, 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read that passage right there, Romans 8, 11. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And then th this is our Easter passage right here. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So it's not just the fact that Jesus died and rose again. It's the fact that he died and rose again. And, and as, his, as his disciples were terrified about this, he says, by the way, it's good for me to go away. Because if I go, then I can leave my spirit with you, who can be in all of you at the same time. And then you will do even greater things than I could do. 
What does it mean to be God's people? The people of God. The people of God are people that have put their faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation, but are also filled with his spirit. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you and in me. And we go out in his presence and his power and his name. I'll tell you a little bit of our context. Um, Jennifer and I are, uh, we've been married for 22 years. And uh, we have three kids. So Jonathan, our oldest, is in college at, in Chicago area, Wheaton College. He's a freshman. Just tore his hamstring a couple weeks ago, so he's crutching around like Pastor Gary. You know. We went to see him this week because our kids had, uh, had off from school. And there we were. We were crutching around Chicago, downtown Chicago, going to the museums on, uh, on crutches. So Jonathan, he's the, the guy with the little goatee. Then Joshua is 16 and Julia is 14. They were both born in Costa Rica. And uh, Joshua's a junior in high school. He's at uh, Bloomington Kennedy High School this year in the cities. We're back here for this whole school year. We'll be going back to Costa Rica in July. And Julia is an eighth grader. And uh, they've, had a, they've had a great year while we've been here. They were both, our, our kids have grown up in Costa Rica. This is who we are. I grew up in Costa Rica. So my parents were missionaries uh, my whole growing up life. So I was four years old when we went, and I graduated from high school in Costa Rica. My parents just retired two years ago after 40 years as missionaries. So um, they invested their lives in Costa Rica and then Mexico, and then they ran a program that we have of Christian schools all over Latin America. So this missionary thing is, th- this is what I grew up with. But, but our story is, is the same story as all of ours, where we're trying to listen to the Lord and follow his leading and, and do what he's calling us to do, just like you do. And uh, Jennifer grew up in Detroit Lakes here, so not too far away. Her, her mom's family, is their, the name is Broberg, and so her uncle was actually pastor of Casino Assembly, where Carrie's folks uh, have been a part of for how many hundred years? Been, been part of that church? Uh, yeah, since the, what, how many? With 80 years? <laughs> so, so Jennifer's a, 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 you know, a West Central Minnesota girl. And, uh, I mean, like, like you guys are going on a mission trip. When she was in high school, she went on a couple of mission trips. And the Lord just began to speak to her heart and call her. So by the time we met, when we were in our early 20s, we were both sensing a call of God to, to go in the direction of missions. She had been an exchange student in Bangladesh. So she went with the Rotary Club for a year after high school and had this crazy, I mean, it was a small town, Pelican Rapids, Minnesota, that happened to have a Rotary Club that did exchange. And they, she had exchange students that were friends. And she says, I want to do that. So she went in as an exchange student. This is part of the story. And she was, she was not a missionary, per se, in Bangladesh, but she had her Bible out and she read her Bible and prayed every day. And they took her to church, made sure she got to church on Fridays. And, and uh, they saw her living a Christian life. And little by little, the Lord began shaping her and forming her into a woman of God to, to be able to, to bring his hope to others. And we were on staff at a church called Summit Avenue Assembly of God in St. Paul for six years uh, when we were first married. So we were young adults pastors, and I led worship and played my guitar. And, you know, you do the stuff that you do as Christians, right? You serve the Lord, and you figure out what, what it is that you're supposed to be doing one step at a time. And the Lord just began opening up doors and, and starting to lead us more to, to think back about Latin Americans again. And in the year 1998, we went down to visit my folks who were missionaries in Mexico at the time. And I was preaching at a small church in Cuernavaca, Mexico, kind of a Sunday morning like this, right? And when I got done preaching, it was the first time I'd preached in Spanish for a little while. When I got done off the platform, I got down there and the Lord just spoke to my heart saying, what are you doing in Minnesota? I need you back down here. And, and uh, the Lord began preparing us and preparing what we would be doing in Costa Rica. And uh, I had done a master's in theology at, at Bethel Seminary, so I, I wanted to be able to teach and help train people for ministry. And so the Lord just began putting Costa Rica in our hearts. And after that trip to Mexico, the, the Costa Rica just started to come in very sharp focus. And so we wrote an email down to Costa Rica because you, you understand that there's a national church in every country of the world now, right? The Assemblies of God is in 255 countries. 
that's more than the United Nations, right? I mean, every little place that's its own, you know, that's its own unit, we, we have a church there. There are 68 million of us uh, in our brother and sister Assembly of God organizations around the world. This is a lot of folks. And there's national organization of the Assemblies of God with their own leadership and their own Bible schools and training programs and their own outreach and their own children's and youth ministries. I mean, this, every country of the world now, this is what it looks like. So we wrote a letter down to Costa Rica saying, what, what do you guys even need? You know, the Costa Rican National Church have been there for a real long time. And so uh, they wrote back right away and said, um, we've been praying that the next missionary that comes to Costa Rica be a missionary's kid that speaks Spanish, that's married, that has experience working with ministers' kids, which we've been doing for five years already here in Minnesota, and would be willing to go after our pastor's kids because we're losing a whole generation of our PKs, of our pastor's kids. So out of 800 pastor's kids from the age of 12 to 25, one was in Bible college. And there were three of them in Teen Challenge. They were drug addicts. So, so this is not a good ratio. Right. And so so we said, well, I, I guess this is clear, right? The Lord is calling us to go down. This is just who we are. And this is the fit that's going to work. And we got down to Costa Rica and, and we started serving. So let me take you through a few pictures to show you kind of what it looks like for us to invest in the next generation in Costa Rica and also to work with pastors, kids and Bible college and ministry training, this kind of thing. So this is one of our early pastors, kids retreats. Uh, this was 2003. Our theme was radical integrity. So in Spanish, integridad radical, I-R. And I want to introduce you to one of the young men and tell his story a little bit. So uh, the guy with the red balloon in his teeth is Jonathan. When we first uh, met Jonathan, just a bright, fun kid. I really liked him. Uh, lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm. And we had him right away on the recreation team, and he did martial arts, and he was a competitive soccer player, just a fun guy. He was from a very small, very conservative church in an inner-city gangs and drugs neighborhood of San Jose called La Peregrina. My dad had helped to build that church, so years back. But, but Jonathan grew up, and there, the parsonage was connected to the church, so they literally lived right in the building. And, uh, and people were always criticizing him. So anything he did, someone had an opinion about it, right? So, so he bought himself a pair of new shoes one time, and, and someone says, well, there goes the tithes. You know, just not fair, just not fair. And so he got sick of it, and as soon as he hit college, he was out of there. He still lived at home, but he, he refused to go to church. So this was a tough spot in his life. You, you know, every young person has to figure out what it means to be a believer. They have to figure out faith for themselves. They have to figure out the relationship with the Lord. Uh, it's not automatic. You don't just pass it on genetically. Every one of us needs to work through what it means for us to serve the Lord, right? So, so Jonathan was going through this. One day, there was some crazy parties at the end of the year. We saw him on TV with a camera flash of him, you know, with a big drink in front of him uh, at the big party, and everyone's disappointed, you know. And, and uh, he would go home after the parties and... Uh, he was a little wasted. You know, his, his dad would come and pray over him. Say, you did not create my son, Lord, to, to waste his life. You made him to serve you. Lord, bring him back. Jonathan would later tell these stories. When he finally came back after four years, he had made some decisions. So he had a son. Uh, he wasn't married, so he had a little boy uh, that came out of a relationship. And, and uh, when he came back to church, the church people to their credit, really received him warmly and, and let him come back in. And he began serving, and pretty soon the youth leader quit. So he says, um, Dad, if no one else will do the youth, I'll take them. So he became the youth leader. And the, and the Lord began to bless the ministry. And there was, a, there was another family of, of young people in the, in, the, in the youth group whose dad was a pastor in a different place. And pretty soon they connected. So, so Farina became his wife. We got to be part of their wedding. This is a wonderful thing about being in one place for a long time. You get to walk through stages of life with people. So we got to be at the wedding. Farina is, a, I think she's maybe five feet tall, but wears six-inch heels every day. So, so she looks taller. And she leads worship jumping, bouncing the whole time. So, so uh, this is Farina, just lots of energy. Pretty soon they became a favorite 
a favorite couple to minister at our events. So at our youth events, our outreaches, our retreats. So this was a retreat with, for pastor's kids that, that the team wanted them to be able to preach and share. So they did. And at this retreat, now I want, I want you to kind of see the process in Jonathan's life. At this retreat, they came to me and said, okay, so we're serving, but we're, we feel like we're making this up as we go. Like, how do, how do we get to the next level in ministry? And we said, that's called the Bible college. That's why we teach people, you know, train people for ministry. Why don't you come? So they joined my Tuesday night hermeneutics class. Hermeneutics is just Bible interpretation. And so uh, this, was, this was part of our crew for the hermeneutics class. And, and they were in class with other people that were serving the Lord. So just in that group, there's one who's running a national children's ministry, one that's running a national youth ministry, a guy that was planting a church in a jail. He had been saved in jail, and he was all excited because he got an opportunity to go back into the jail where he was saved and, and started jail ministry. Guy on the left in the brown and the blue sweater was a business guy that uh, his, no one was reaching his friends in the business world. And so he planted a church to, to reach out to his business friends. A couple of the gals worked at a university as counselors. And so there they were every day helping girls in depression and struggling with eating disorders and that kind of thing on the university campus. So this is the environment we have in our Bible school classes. This isn't 17-year-olds. You know, th- th- these are people that are already serving the Lord. And so we're training them and teaching them to handle the word. And one night after class, Jonathan and Farina came, came up to me and said, uh, Uncle John, we've got this thing going on. We started reaching out to some gang members. And uh, we've got 30 of them coming to our youth group. We want to do a special outreach night uh, to really connect with these guys. Would you come and preach for us? And so I thought, that sounds like a lot of fun. So I went, went one night. So the next picture is, is the night that we did this outreach. Jen and I went. And uh, sure enough, in the middle of the back, there were 30 of the gang members that were there. They're all kind of starting to get connected, you know, with the Lord. And, and, uh, and so we did, we did a full theme night. We called it God's Grace, the Stain Remover. In Spanish, Quita Mancha. It sounds cool in Spanish, Quita Mancha. And, and so uh, we had dirty T-shirts and clean T-shirts. We had a, f- a special band and the whole bit. And at the end, we gave an altar call. And the, and the message that we had for them that night was, the Lord's grace forgives you, but also gives you the ability to turn around and forgive others. And, and so at the altar call, one of the guys came down to the front. I went down to pray with him. And, and I said, how, how can I pray with you? Like, I didn't even know where to start, right? And he says, well, you know, this is new to me. But um, I want to pray for the family of the guy I killed. And, and I went home, and I, I mean, I was, I couldn't think about anything else. How do you ever make that Right. I mean, you know that you've done stuff, right? Things that you've said that you're like, oh, I wish I could take a fishing line and reel that back in, right? You, those words, just you can't bring them back. How do you ever make right having killed somebody? And, and, uh, and then I realized this is where God's grace makes a difference in a country. Because, because the, the truth is that you, you reap what you sow. This is the, the natural laws are you get what you have coming to you. The problem with that, with, the, with, with that, what do they call it in, in uh, some religions would call it karma, right? I mean, the Buddhist idea that whatever you do comes back to you. That's true, except for one thing, when God steps in from the outside and breaks the cycle. So how, how, do you, how does it ever end? You offend me. And so I get back at you to make it even. But then you feel that I have offended you unjustly, and you get back at me to make it right. And then I get back at you to make it right. right? And it's never, it's never solved. Because the cycle of revenge and hate, and, and it never ends. The only thing that ends it is the blood of Jesus Christ, who took the nails on the cross, who gave his blood to cover that sin so that you don't have to charge somebody for it and no one has to charge you for your sin. And, and all of a sudden, there's life in these guys. And, and, the, and the gang thing in their neighborhood, it's done. It ends, right? At least, at least for them. This is why we do what we do. 
Central America has a huge gang problem. Three of our countries, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, are completely run by gangs. People can't go outside their neighborhood uh, because the people in the other neighborhood, the gang in the other neighborhood, will kill them if they go into the other neighborhood. Uh, it is so bad. How does that ever stop? There's only one way. When the grace of Jesus Christ breaks the cycle of revenge. And so this is why we do what we do, right? The Lord changes our countries when a young, frustrated church kid like Jonathan gets a sense of God's spirit and power and presence and goes out in his name and meets a gang member on the street and believes for a miracle and the Lord changes his life. And he brings in his friends and the Lord changes the community because of the cycle of grace. So this is, this is a beautiful thing. This is why we do what we do. The next picture, let's see what that is. Okay. So I'm going to have Jennifer just came running in from Kids Church. But if you'd like to come up, come and share about the, the Kabekar people in Costa Rica. This term we got to have a very special project, and it was her thing. So I'm going to have her share. Good morning. He is risen. Well, um, it's so wonderful to be here with you. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world that worship in many different ways. And the Quebecer people are a people group that lived live in the remote rainforest of Costa Rica for hundreds of years. They have um, preserved their culture and their language. And in the last five years, one of my dear friends, she's a Costa Rican, she um, was building a camp, a whitewater rafting camp out in the jungle with her sons. And they said, Mom, whatever you do, don't, tell the, don't talk to the people about Jesus. He didn't want his mom evangelizing. She, he knew his mom tended to tell people about Jesus. So, Mom, don't be. They're, they're going to kick us off the land. Well, my friend Geraldine m- met the, the different Quebecer people in the jungle from time to time. And one day she met the chief, and she said she just felt like it was the right thing to do. Have you ever heard about Jesus? Do you know that he loves you? And the chief said, no. And my friend Geraldine said, can I come to your village and tell you about Jesus? And the chief said, yes. And so the next day, Geraldine went up to the, to, to the village 1,200 vertical feet up the mountain, went into the the chief's hut and shared the gospel. And the chief accepted Jesus into her heart. And the chief said, will you come back and tell my people about Jesus? So that has been, for the last five years, our work among the Quebecer people. Here is a family, one of the chief's daughters and grand daughter, and then great-grandchildren. Little Natalia is in the turquoise shirt, and she was burned by a pot of boiling water. And traditionally, they have the medicine man who charges a fee and will do a cure of some sort. But they decided that we have something greater. Let's call on the name of Jesus. And they asked for prayer for little Natalia. And they rushed her to the hospital in the middle of the night, about a six-hour hike through the jungle. And little Natalia was in ICU for two weeks, bandaged up. And when they took off her bandages, she was completely healed, no scars. And they were able to see the power that is in the name of Jesus. In the next picture, this is a group from Emmanuel Christian Center in the cities, they came to work as we were building the church. They, they're carrying chairs up the mountain. Everything had to be brought up the mountain. All the lumber had to be cut on site. Now, you guys would understand that, but their, their lumber techniques are pretty primitive. They have a chainsaw. They'll cut down a tree, and there in the middle of the jungle, they'll... they'll They'll cut the slices of lumber just kind of uh, freehand with, with a guide. Yep. But everything had to be either brought in or made on site. So the next picture is this church that we dedicated last April. 
all those chairs are filled. And there's just a wonderful group of people. They come from three different villages now to hear about Jesus and to learn and, and grow in Christ. And it's just the most beautiful thing to see them uh, learning about Jesus and this wonderful truth that we have in Christ. The next picture is Chief Sylvia, who was the first to come to the Lord. And she, just yesterday, I got an email, uh, uh, a little video greeting from the church out in the jungle with Chief Sylvia saying, thank you for praying for us. So I want to ask you today to keep praying for the Quebecer people. It's a, it's a tribe that has, they're new believers in Jesus, but they believe that, that God has something greater for them, not poverty and the incest and the alcoholism that they have, that it has wiped out most of their population. But, but we believe for a new day of creativity and innovation and that they will grow in Christ and that God will raise up men and women that will go out into the other jungle areas and, and spread the gospel into those mountain regions where no, it's so far out. It's just amazing. Costa Rica is a pretty small country, but when you walk through the jungle and through the mountains, it could be another nine hours to another village. So there's a, a lot of things we hope to do with the Quebecer people, but please pray for them and pray for us too as we go out and preach the good news. Thank you. You know, the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus is about 2,000 years old. We start telling the story another 2,000 years before that, back to Abraham and so on. And it was crazy when we first started working with, with this particular tribe. You're like, okay, now we're going to tell you the story of Noah and, and, and the ark and Jonah. And, and they're like, what does even ancient Israel mean? You know, it was like they, they had no context at all. And so you, you had to kind of start over thinking through, okay, why do we tell them this? And why do, they, why do we say this? And we had to start back and saying, God does not live in the trees necessarily, right? Uh, the spirit of the vultures is not what we worship. You know, I mean, we, we start with one God who, who created the heavens and the earth, and he actually came down to earth 2,000 years ago. And, and the stories of Jesus, as we tell the stories of Jesus healing people and what Jesus did on earth, they love the stories of Jesus because this is God when he came down. The, the, the concept of this was 2,000 years ago, that just boggles their minds. But but all of a sudden, we, we realized that we had to figure out what, what was important. And so one day, um, some, of the, some of the younger people were taking discipleship courses that they were filling out in books. And, and Gerardina, the home missionary that we've been working with, she, she was reading one of the books. And they said, what difference does it make that God is with you? And the, and the gal's answer was interesting. She says, now when I walk through the woods... I don't have to be afraid of the spirits because I know that God is walking with me. Um, when, when, uh, when the little girl was burned and instead of calling on the witch doctor who would have charged an exorbitant amount of money to, to make up some concoction and chant some chant and, and pray a blessing. You know, they said, no, we can go straight to God. Uh, this is, you know, we, we want God's people to pray. We, we believe that prayer can touch our little girl. And when she was healed, this was a major, a major confirmation that, okay, which doctor, you know, the, our native worship versus the God who created heavens and earth. He's real. And uh, another one of the elders of the village was kicked in the ribs by a horse that, that broke his ribs and punctured a lung. And his lung deflated. And this was a bad thing. And they called, they called again on Herardina. They said, would you pray with us? And we, we, don't want, we don't want us to be the substitutes for the witch doctor. We want the Lord to be the one they go to, right? I mean, but, but uh, they called on us and we prayed and his, his lung reinflated. That was the second confirmation that they got. And so the Lord began to confirm that he is real and that he's with them. His spirit is with them. And, and so little by little... The fact that they were all just living together and not married, you know, the couples. Well, Herardina began doing couple work and couple counseling and helping them to get a sense of what it means to be 
Christian families and Christian couples and and the young people instead of just shacking up and and just starting to drink the chicha that they make out of this this nasty stuff they chew up corn and spit it into a big vat and it ferments and when they have these binge parties they'll go for days and that's when all the children are sexually abused and that's when people beat up on each other and that's when they do things that make them hate each other and all of a sudden the power of the chicha party is broken and the power of incest is broken and, and the, the superstition around what you can't do after the person dies, well, we're still working on that part because that's, that's pretty far into their, their culture, who they are. But we realize that the power of the Spirit of God is at work in them. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that we pray that the Lord fills us with. That you can walk out of here with the Spirit of God baptizing and filling your soul. It's not just about, you know, well, every once in a while I go to, go to church to top off the tank, you know. No, no, this, this is the Lord living in us and walking out with us. We are made to serve the Lord Monday through Friday, you know, and Saturday and Sunday, and we remain, we're meant to walk with him. Chief, Chief Sylvia, uh, like Jen said, she just called us. The, yesterday we got a little video greeting from them. Um, and she wanted, she wanted to, to send a message back to the church, thanking you all for, for sending people like us to, to bring the gospel to her. And it, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference in their community. I mean, there's, there's amazing things about their culture that absolutely need to be preserved. One day I was, I was standing with one of the young guys, and we were looking out one of my favorite spots in the whole world we were at. Uh, is this, this place on a cliff up above a river, and he says, it's going to rain in 15 minutes. I'm like, how, how would you know that? He says, well, look over in that ridge way over there, and you can see the birds moving this way. I couldn't see anything. You know, but I'm like, okay, okay. And then a few minutes later, two minutes. The birds had, had, had come, you know. And sure enough, it started raining. I mean, they, they understand nature. They understand which of the herbs and so on are better for different salves and all that kind of thing. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom that they've developed. But there's an awful lot of darkness. And, uh, and we believe that the power of Jesus comes in and, and when, where there's stuff where people live in fear and darkness and oppression, he comes to bring freedom and life. And, uh, and when we come here to the U.S., there's people that live in darkness and oppression too. Uh, it's not always a witch doctor here. You know, sometimes it's, it's all the financial problems we've gotten ourselves into. Or, or the, the darkness that we've allowed into our heart through doors that we leave open. People leave open doors with drug abuse and with alcohol, with the things that we consume from our culture, the entertainment sometimes. It's, just, it's gunk that builds up in the soul. And, and we come to the Lord and he, he helps bring light and clear out the darkness. And this is what we believe, right? A day like today, on Easter, we say the Lord is risen. He is risen to bring life. He is risen to bring light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the presence of the Lord fills our soul. And if we say that, that we walk in the light, but we don't behave like it, we're just deceiving ourselves. But if we confess our sins, this is from 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just and forgives us and cleans us out, and lets us walk in him. And so um, this, is, this is why we do what we do, because the light and the presence and the life of God flows through us. So we're, we're going to do a couple things. I'm going I'm gonna to share a couple of the ways that you can participate in what we do. We're going to pause, and Pastor Gary's going to come up, or somebody, maybe Gary, maybe he doesn't want to crutch all the way up here. He's coming? He's actually going to make the trip on crutches? Okay, in just a second, just a second. And, and, uh, and then I want to come back, because I, have a, I want to give everyone a coffee bean from, from the little seed bag that Chief Sylvia gave me. Uh, and I want us to pray together. But, uh, but if, this is a, if this is a moment where you're coming in, and you say, man, I don't, I don't know how much light I've got bouncing around inside of me right now. I don't know how much of the life of the risen Lord I really am living right now. We're going to believe that this is your morning.
to cross that line and to open up the doors and, and do some house cleaning and let the Lord come in and bring new life and new strength and new hope to your life. So how can you participate? First thing, you need to grab one of our little cards on the way out and pray for us. Uh, we need you to pray. Jennifer one time was walking in to the jungle and tripped over a, a branch on this big thorn tree. So she finds herself face down in a pile of thorn branches that's crawling with bullet ants. They're about an inch long. They're called bullet ants because they feel like a gunshot. And, and uh, her 50-pound pack was pressing her head down into the ant nest in the thorn tree. <clears throat> and she says, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, she popped out and she was on her feet. And, and uh, we have no other explanation other than the Lord literally picked her up. And, uh, and she came back. I, I just let her go that weekend with our friend Geraldine, the home missionary. She, she loves going out and hiking in the jungle. And she came back after that weekend, and she tells me this story, and she was smiling. She says, and I fell in this anthill in a, in a thorn bush, and, and I popped out, and the Lord gave me the joy of the Lord. And I can't believe it because I feel like people are praying for us. And so um, please be assured that as you pray, it makes a difference. Uh, when you're praying for us and you're praying for the young people that we work with and the young leaders that we're training, uh, this is a Jonathan connecting with the gang member who gets saved and all of a sudden the Lord is fulfilling his purposes. This is all connected to you praying. Um, the second thing you can do, giving. We can't go unless we're sent, right? And, and, uh, and I hope you understand that when you're giving to missions every month and you're, and you're supporting missionaries, this is a very important thing. So, so support us. This morning, uh, we have a need. We're, our goal is to get back on the 17th of July. And we have a big project. In fact, Jennifer and I are going down to Costa Rica tomorrow to meet with uh, one of our Bible school extension sites in the very northern part of the country, up along the Nicaraguan border, a town called Liberia, Liberia. And we're building a new facility. So like you're going down and helping in Belize, uh, coming up in a, in a, in a few days. Uh, we're going tomorrow to, to pin down a couple things for the project, and then this fall the construction starts. So we have to raise $200,000. We're about, we got about 85000 but uh, we're shooting to get as much of it as we can by the time we get back. And so we have little deadlines that we've given ourselves. So between now and next Sunday, we need about $5,000. So, so, uh, so this, is, this is how we roll, right? We have to, we have to believe the Lord to provide for the finances to get back and do what we're called to do. So uh, this morning, you'll have a chance to, to help us get there and to help us do this. And, uh, and the Lord has made a great team. I know that some of you can do $100 and maybe some not so much, but, but do what you can. Uh, I don't have any problem asking you because it's not for me, right? It's to, it's to do what God has called us to do in Costa Rica. The, the third thing is, uh, is this business of going. Uh, going to Belize and sending your team down there. This is, this is important work. We're participating with what God is doing. And uh, so thank you for doing that. Uh, there, there are a couple things. We have our website. Uh, if anyone would like to get on our email prayer list, our newsletter list, to, to be praying for us, to getting updates, we have contacts for our Facebook group, and we have contacts for our email prayer letter. Um, and there's some giving links and things like that on there. Or you can sign up at the little at our table back and back. If you'd like to be one of our prayer partners, that'd be amazing. We have a number of prayer partners from this area, so uh, you'd be joining a strong team from here praying for the Dollars in Costa Rica. Pastor Gary, want to crutch up here? Clickety-click. Come on up. And uh, we'll let you give, then we'll come back and, and wrap this up in prayer. You want to stay down below? We can probably get this over to you. Would that be easier? Thank you, John. Appreciate your heart. Appreciate your family and the good work you're doing. I'm proud of these guys. They're, they're top-notch. They're some of the cream of the crop as far as Assembly God ministers are concerned. Their hearts are sincere, and they're staying with it. And so as you give today, your dollars are going to help their ministry. It's really not their ministry. It's God's ministry. But they're, they're partners with God. When we give to their ministry, we partner with them. So I'm going to ask our ushers if they'll come. We'll use the wicker baskets for our missions offering today. And it's, it's just a blessing. If you are writing a check, you might wonder who to write it to. 
write it to the church across Lake Christian if you want to shorten that up. CCAG, simple. So that'll make sure our counters know, and then we'll give our uh, check to these guys. Let's pray a blessing on our guests today. Thank you, Lord, for people who uh, respond and want to be a part of the overall picture. Lord, we may think, well, that's so overwhelming. That's such a large amount of money. But, Lord, you own it all. We pray that you will help us do our part, and then it will multiply. It will multiply. It will be. It will just unfurl, Lord, many others across the kingdom, across the world, who will be in your kingdom someday, Lord. We pray that you would advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give. A couple of teenagers that could help me. I need a couple of teenagers to help me. Young people, huh? The teenagers are downstairs with the kids. Okay, okay. All right. Levi, do you think you could help me? He's he's still like borderline teenager, right? And and someone young at heart. One more person young, that's young at heart. Where's Cal? <laughs> come on up, come on up. Uh, everyone needs a coffee bean. Okay, so, so I want to tell you this, this story here real quick. So you can, you can get everyone on that side with a coffee bean. So can we get the picture of Chief Sylvia back up there? So when we dedicated the church building in Hameikari Yoksoro uh, in April of last year, Chief Sylvia gave me this as a little present. Uh, this was her seed bag that she used for her garden for 15 years. So she made this by hand. She actually pulled out individual strands from rice sacks, from nylon rice sacks, and twisted them together and then wove them into this little, this little bag. She, um, <clears throat> she, she has an interesting situation with her garden because she's in the middle of the jungle, there's no chicken wire fences to protect your garden in the middle of the jungle, right? So, so a lot of what they plant, the black beans and the different things that they plant, especially the things that sprout above the ground, tend to get eaten by animals. And so uh, most of what they eat either winds up being like bananas and plantains from the trees, then the root crops, so the potatoes, they have, they have several other ones that we don't, that we don't have here. But, uh, but the beans that you plant that come above ground some of them will get eaten and some won't. So it's a hit and miss. But you plant anyway, right? Because, well, in the words of Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So, so, uh, so if you don't plant anything, you get nothing for sure. And, and uh, when she gave me the seed bag, she says, you'll understand you're a missionary. And, and I sat and thought about that thinking, okay, that's true. When we started this project... It was just because we had buddies that had a whitewater rafting company that we'd take people for a fun day when they come down for mission trips. Then all of a sudden we realized that mom is making the connection with this Indian group. And all of a sudden the connection that was through a family that was just a business connection all of a sudden became a ministry thing. And, and when Jennifer would say, let's bring a, a, an evangelism team up there, I'm like, but yeah, but what's this ever going to turn into? It just looks so small. You know, the village is small, and uh, how is this ever going to work? Their culture is so different. But, but we kept planting. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord starts, starts turning that small seed, that, that how is this ever going to be anything thing. And it turns into something much bigger. And when she gave me her seed bag, I thought, this is, this is about faith. This is about believing that what we do matters. Now, you, you can't plant these coffee beans because they're roasted, right? So take a good smell. You know, they, it, smell, it smells good. The, the, the ones that aren't roasted, they, they're kind of nasty. They smell like hay. But, but these smell good. Uh, if you want to plant one, we'll, we'll have a few out on the back table. Literally, you can put them in a little pot, and they have beautiful, shiny, dark green leaves. That's little coffee plants are pretty fun, actually, if you want to try it. But, but, uh, but these, these you can't plant, but, but it's something we can hold in our hand that smells good. And, and uh, 
Would you take this? And as we as we wrap up this morning, I want to pray with you. And I do want to pray that if if you're a person that that needs to take a step of faith this morning, maybe you haven't fully opened the door to let the Lord in. Maybe this maybe this has been a while, and you say I, I need a, I need a reset, and you hit the reset button and start over with the Lord and and, and start this relationship again. Uh, you, if you need to repent from sin, if you need to open the door again, we're going to believe that this is your morning. Uh, but also, but also for for those of us that are walking kind of normally, you know, with the Lord and the ups and downs of life, uh, the coffee bean is a reminder that we just keep planting, right? Every morning we just keep opening up the door to the Lord to come in and be part of our lives and the Spirit to be in us, and. And we keep planting seed in the people that are around us. And I don't know what your challenge is right now. When we go back to Costa Rica tomorrow morning, you know, for, for this little short trip, and we're finishing our projects here, we have a lot of challenges, and there's a lot of things that we're trying to keep going and juggling. But, but the Lord is with us, and we keep planting because we have faith. So would you stand with me? And uh, just hold this in your hand. And uh, let's lift this up to the Lord. Saying, Father, this... This morning we come to you on an Easter Sunday morning. We've enjoyed a wonderful brunch together. And and, uh, these are days when family gets together and people have off a couple days from work. And and, uh, it's a little mile marker in the year. Marks spring and it marks uh, times when when, uh, we, we come and we listen to you in a maybe different way. Watch different TV shows and movies to celebrate this time. But I pray, Lord, that this morning something more would be happening in us. Father, as we hold this seed out of Chief Sylvia's seed bag, a Costa Rican coffee bean, Lord, you have purposes in our life, and you knock on the door of our heart, and and you are calling us to belong to you and to walk with you and to serve you and to keep on planting. And Lord, if there's anyone this morning that needs to make a decision right now to say, I have been wandering far, but it's time to come back. It's time to open up the door. It's time to receive the grace once again of the Lord. Lord, this morning they cross the line of faith and they say, I belong to the Lord. There's no guarantee. right? We don't know what the next steps will look like. But Father, we know that we can trust you. You say that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and forgive and cleanse us. And so this morning, it's a new moment for some people in this room to walk with you. A new chapter starts today. We open up ourselves to your word and to your presence and to your spirit. And for, for others, Lord, this, this, this seed in our hands means that every day we're planting and believing you in faith that you have new purposes and new blessings and new ways of helping us to be a blessing to others. Lord, we think of relationships that have been very difficult even in these days of this week. And we pray that as we plant seed, that your grace would be there, that, that you would give us hope and courage and strength. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for hope. We thank you for your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.